Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And welcome to 2022! That's right, it's a brand new year. We've got a whole load of films to watch. And it's January, which means, as per tradition, it is Australia Month. Oh, come and let us all rejoice, because we are young and have movies to watch. Um, or one and have movies to watch after that change to the national anthem. Uh, yes, we are watching Australian films in the month of January. We are starting with one that is turning 30 years old. Strictly Ballroom, directed by Baz Luhrmann. And as always, we have someone who has seen the film before, and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film before, it's David Cox. Hello, it's me, Mr. David Cox. It certainly is. Happy New Year, Mr. David Cox. <laughs> Happy New Year, Doctor. Um, David, you have not seen Strictly Ballroom. Correct. What, what do you know about it? Well, uh, driving here, I was like, is this the film where no one puts baby in the corner? And now I think that's Footloose. <laughs> Almost. If Is that also wrong? Yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Babies don't get put in corners in Dirty Dancing. Oh, okay. It's, so it's I, okay. I mix Footloose and Dirty Dancing up all the time as well. It's I, 80s, it's dancing. There's yeah. a fine line. Yeah. Okay. It's 90s and dancing. It's slightly different. So um, you've brought up uh, it on iView. On the, on the screen before us mm-hmm. And uh, so now I can tell you The things that I know about it are That it is directed by Baz Luhrmann mm-hmm. <laughs> And it was made in 1992 mm-hmm. Hence its 30th anniversary Yes yeah. mm-hmm. uh, So that's it <laughs> Yeah. Okay, cool <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! You're in. I, yes, walking into the room, I've only just realised that I did not even have a vague idea wow. of the right film that we are about to watch. Well, that's that is how like <laughs> not watch this film is. I've you know, been... pre- you know, all other previous attempts, it's been like, oh, I have a pop culture understanding vaguely. Like this is this is the movie with the guy who kills people, mm. or you know, this is. This is a brand new film that I I do not know anything about other than it appears to have dancing in it. Mm-hmm. Well, luckily, <laughs> you're in the right place, David. Yes, uh, I've got that one detail right. It, it, dance. Yes. yes, that's correct. But you're in the right place. This is a safe space. This is almost what this program was designed for, actually. So uh, luckily... I, I've, I've been where you are, like, just before Christmas on this podcast. Just like, I have no idea what this is. Gina Davis is in this. What's happening? So, yeah, no, I, I, feel, I feel that. Well, luckily for you, David, uh, as you've just heard, we have someone on this program who has seen Strictly yes. Ballroom. Uh, welcome to 2022, Dr. Ellen Sears. Hello. Uh, Dr. Ellen. Uh, Happy New Year. Thank you. Um, Strictly Ballroom. Yep. In a vague, non-spoilery <laughs> sort of way, uh, what can David expect from this film? Oh, there's like a couple of things that I don't want to say because I think it might ruin the thing. Um, so this is Baz Luhrmann's first film that he ever did. Like this is his this is his big breakthrough thing, and this was the big breakthrough thing for Paul McCurry, who is the star of this film. Um, it's been made into a musical, which I've seen three times. <laughs> I saw it in all three major cities of Australia. Um, I mean, the the synopsis on iView is probably pretty much the the best non-spoilery thing. You've got a ballroom dancer, um, Scott Hastings. He's a young guy. He wants to dance his own steps. 
and the ballroom uh, federation people are like, no, if you want to dance your steps, then you can't like be in our competitions essentially. And it's him like fighting back against that, like artistic expression being crushed. That's, that's more or less the vibe of this. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to say much more about it because there's a couple of like tonal things that I just, I can't wait to see what your reaction to it is. <laughs> okay. By, by dancing his own steps, yeah. it's like, as in his own moves, he's creating new yeah. dance things. Yeah, basically. So the whole idea is that ballroom is very like structured and very rigid or it was, it was kind of like, you know, you can't put like quick step steps into like a two step like that's not allowed da, da, da. so it's that idea of somebody being like well I want to be creative and being told no you can't and being like well I'm going to do it anyway <laughs> uh-huh it seems like I'm not only going to learn what this film is yeah but also <laughs> about dancing about dancing yeah mm. and what speci- is dancing <laughs> well and obviously it's about ballroom dancing because that's that's strictly ballroom um and that's because Baz Luhrmann did um Forum dancing like competitions and stuff growing up so this is based on kind of his own experiences as like a dancer and as a creative person trying to like break out of that artistic creative mold that everybody was like no you must be like this and I think arguably he's done very well with that fair enough okay lightning round will yep. I see other forms of dancing like crumping no it's not break dancing no no not really it's 1992 and it's set in like Disco. Victoria. You, you will see other forms of <laughs> dancing. You will see other forms of dancing. But they're but not, like, drastically different. No. It, 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 yeah, you're not going to see, like, someone... The tango. Did, there's no... Nobody Pop, does the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a bit of there's a bit of like, Latin-themed stuff, Paso uh-huh. Doble and stuff. But Paso Doble, they do in ballroom dancing. Tango, they do in ballroom dancing. Okay. So I've, they've got, like, waltzes and foxtrots and... Yeah. We have found a, a dance term that I understand. You, you understand. Okay, we're slightly... You do know, we're that like, there's, we're, you we're do know there's different kind of tangos, though. There's two, <laughs> no, four tangos and there's four, four tangos. <laughs> and they've all got different rhythms. Okay. Is, is there a waltz? Uh, I don't know if there's a waltz specifically in this movie. It's been a while since I've watched it, but yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm looking forward to us all learning. Is there a waltz? Okay, well, with that okay. being said, <laughs> shall we watch Strictly Ballroom? Yeah. Let's waltz right into it. Let's, okay. Let's do it. For those of you listening at home, pop on those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and a bit of musicality, please, as we watch <laughs> Strictly Ballroom. Oh, I thought you were going to do. I've got my happy face on today. I, I did consider <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Strictly Ballroom. By we, I, of course, mean Dr. Alan Sears. Hello. And Mr. David Cox. Hello. David, that was your first time watching Strictly Ballroom. (laughs) What did you think? (laughs) That was fun. Mm. That was was silly. I like a lot of it. Mm. Um, Yeah. Also, wouldn't it be a much more interesting film if Baz Luhrmann had directed his grand three-plus-hour epic, Australia, in the same style as Strictly Ballroom. I feel like it would have improved Australia, not mm. going to lie. <laughs> yeah, we, not going to lie. <laughs> we, I don't think he works very well with seriousness. Well, okay. Because Australia, I think it, it was like meant to be quite serious, and I was yeah. just like, it's just so... Well, camp without me, like everything Baz Luhrmann touches just turns to magic sparkle camp. It does. I don't even think he means to do it. He just does it. I think it's it's really interesting comparing 
this film to to his other really well known films like Australia, um, Romeo and Juliet, or Romeo plus Juliet, as the title is. Uh, the are we going to have to save that for when he dies, or are we going to do Gatsby when he dies? When Baz Luhrmann dies. Baz, Baz, hopefully yeah. Baz he's Luhrmann is not that old. Yeah. No, I know he's not, but I'm how just saying. How many, films has, how many films has he done? How many films has he done? Do you know something we don't? Like, yeah. no. Baz, if you're, if you're, if you I can hear us, let us know. Are we doing this podcast in 30 years time? Because that's what, how I feel is a <laughs> no. reasonable time for Baz yeah. Luhrmann. He's still got a lot of films in no, him. I hope, how dare you? I hope so. But, you know, I mean, he, he has a very specific style. I don't know what, I don't know what he's well, up to. Well, the, the question I was trying to get it to before you brought up the mortality of Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> he's, he's, he's only turning 60 next year. Yeah. Like... Uh, th- fingers crossed and everything we've got another 30 maybe more years well, of maybe, bands yeah, being let's bands. hope because he does great stuff and but I love it let's look at it's the start of 2022 <laughs> a yeah. healthy Baz Luhrmann has so far produced <laughs> this film and what I wanted to know was comparing this film to his other films of his presumably increasing catalogue going forward for he is not jumping off this mortal call but comparing it to Romeo and Juliet comparing it to Moulin Rouge comparing yeah. it to Great Gatsby and comparing it to Australia in yeah. terms of... Haven't um, seen Gatsby. It, in t- but in, okay, but in, in terms of the ones that we've all sort of seen. Okay. Um, uh, the thing that I really like about this film um, is the fact that it makes something that is camp and frivolous serious. It makes yeah. a very... Not, not that I'm saying dance competitions aren't serious, but making this very specific dance competition in this like local community. Like the Pan Pacific Grand Prix. The yeah. Pan Pacific Grand Prix for the um, Southern Suburbs uh, Waratah, Waratah oh, Championship yeah. <laughs> thing. He makes that very serious. And at no point is, that, is the seriousness of the competition ever undercut. Whereas I would say maybe in Romeo and Juliet, the seriousness of that story remains. But it's also already a little bit of a strange story to begin with from the original play. And mm. Baz's uh, stylistic choices uh, elevate that. They, they, they sort of yeah. play with it. I think that Australia maybe doesn't work. Yeah. Not beca- necessarily because of Baz Luhrmann. I think it's a, per- it's a perfectly 5 out of 10 film. I think that's what it got when we did it on the programme. <laughs> yeah, I think but, tonally it's a bit but, weird. Because it's, yeah, it's almost t- quite hyper-realistic to look at yeah. in some capacity. But also, I think it's just that the story of that one um, never really settled on one thing. Yeah. Whereas most of his other films, and particularly the films which have been successful, have focused on, like, Moulin Rouge is about love and is about this specific relationship between yeah. the two lead characters. Mm. This film is about what's Scott going to do? Yeah. Though, because he gets confronted with all these different things and at no point is, is Scott ever like, you know, I could just not dance. I could find a different hobby. And I think that's because all the characters in this are like massive, big caricatures, larger than life, especially the people who are in the ballroom dancing world. And even Doug, who is a, a, a stereotype of a different kind because he's leaning into that sort of like, I'm a beige, sad, middle-aged man. Mm. Um, but it's it's they're all kind of over the top. And then you've got Scott, who's just like, yeah, but like I'm the only normal one in here. And they're like, ah! and like freaking out. So uh, it's kind of like, He's, he's kind of like uh, the Patrick Dempsey in Enchanted kind of role. Like, he's like the straight man. And he just plays it completely seriously opposite um, these, like, incredible over-the-top caricatures. Mm. And I think it works really well. Yeah. I mean, David, as our, as our first-time viewer, um, 
I suppose given that, that Scott is presented in this film as being maybe the, the least um, wrapped up in, in the, the hysteria, I guess, of what, of what this creates. But he is still a part of it. Um, yes. I, I suppose, yeah, were, were you able to connect with, with that story, I guess? Um, I mean, I've never had the ambition to win the Pan Pacific pre Grand Prix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but like, I think, I think it is a very good mix of that, that overt caricature and seriousness. Like, mm-hmm. um, I mean, all these characters have motivations and desires and wants, um, but the mother and, and Barry Fife, Barry Fife, yeah, Federation like, Christian you know, Barry Fife. they get like these silly wide camera angles, like right up next to their chin looking up. Um, uh, whereas like a lot of the humor comes from, but, um, S- Scott's like desires are, are reasonable enough, mm. um, to, to at least ground the film in a way that like. We can kind of relate to him or mm. want him to succeed. I f- it would be a very different film if Scott Hastings was had weird, like wide angle, up the chin kind of like wacky things, and he screams like his dance partner who just like oh, Liz, enters yeah. room screeching. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like think- I think that would be. Mm more challenging of a film because there was like some stylistic elements that I was <laughs> not prepared for and shocked and laughed at as just like, this is silly. You know? uh, and if it, when that it, was when like... it suddenly becomes a documentary <laughs> yeah. and it's like, what? And then it's just never a documentary again for the rest of the film. It's just that first section. And it's like, <laughs> what? All right. Okay. We're just going to go with this. <laughs> yeah. And if, and if you played up those elements for like everyone continuously throughout the film, it would have been think... exhausting. I don't think it would be a bad film. I just think it would be the kind of film that would have a cult status because only only certain kind of people would enjoy it. Mm. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah, I think there's a good mix in the the humour and style Mm. and also seriousness of the characters' wants. Yeah. Uh, The story is basically, uh, Scott wants to dance his own steps. The people in the dance community are a bit, ooh, we're not sure about that. Fran wants to help him dance those own steps. They sort of dance those own steps together complications ensue big dance at the end yeah and it's 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 a really tightly told story it's it's a 90 minute film it's it's quite short in in some ways but i feel like there's a lot packed into it 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 certainly doesn't feel like a short film yeah um and i think it does a really good job of balancing quite a lot of different characters viewpoints and and that use of caricature i think helps as well yeah where like shirley scott's mum is pretty much always just this I guess stereotype of the the older uh, Australian suburb woman that we've seen done so wonderfully well since then in Kat stuff like Kim. Kath and Kim. Yeah, she's, um, she's just yeah. And also, you know, that stereotype of the over-involved dance mum. Now, uh, Doctor Ellen slash dance teacher. Yes, yes. yes. Now, Doctor Ellen says. Yes. Um, you <laughs> are a member of a dance school. I am a member of uh, dance the, school, and about, I have been since I was three. This is actually yeah. this is, I just had my thirtieth dance concert this last November. You did yes, you in a row. Yeah. So it's a long time. <laughs> you're with the uh, Valerie Heston School of Dance. I am. Should uh, we name them? Are we about to say no? <laughs> no, 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 no. Things or no, no. Because because okay. what I want to know is is as someone who has been 
for a part of the competitive dance world, not in ballroom dancing. Yeah, but but, but in, in, in a similar world in yes. Australia as well. Yes. Um, and as you know, basically since this film was made, actually I've realised it is. It's exactly because yeah. I started dancing in '92. Yeah. So when this that film was, was when released, I started dancing. Yeah. So so <laughs> someone who's been part of that community yeah. since 1992. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about this film's representation of? dance schools or dance communities there are definitely dance schools that are like that there are definitely dance teachers that are like that or were like that Mm -hmm. the the fashion and the makeup is like being thrown back in time the very bright blue eyeshadows and the pink lipstick was the thing Mm. bright pink now it's red because um it's a lot easier to see on stage but yeah it's the ridiculous fringes uh for me i did jazz and tap and ballet and a few other styles but um, at that stage, because a lot of people had bangs, the deal was that you would curl them and then you would tease them so you'd have this big fluffy chunk of hair just on the front of your head. Mm. <laughs> it's great. I'll have, to, I'll have to find you some pictures. Mm. Um, yeah, I've, I've definitely seen dance mums like that who were like very overbearing, not quite as hysterical and over the top, but very like, oh, you know, my child's just wonderful and blah, blah, blah. Like I still see them now. There are still kids that come through. And normally the kids are very talented um, when the parents are very overbearing like that. Um, so it's yeah. justified. They're, oh, they're right. it's absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> this, this kind of thing as well, you also see it in stuff like Dance Moms, like that TV show that was really big in the States and they've done it in Australia as well. Mm. There are there are definitely people who are at that end of the spectrum where they're mm. just nutso and they're like, no, but everything matters about the competition. If you don't win the competition, then you might as well be dead. Like there are people who I know who are like that. There are people mm. who I have seen go through stuff and I've just been like... Yep, okay, Mm. yeah. So watching this and like the backstage stuff when they're all running around, there's just tons of people in costumes like getting in Mm. the way and I'm just like, I've experienced that. Just get out of the way. (laughs) So it does capture that feeling Oh, absolutely. Okay, because that's absolutely. the thing I've always and that, been And that triumphant film. little bit at the end where it's like, yes, and everybody's like joining in with the stuff. Like that's very gratifying to watch mm. as somebody who's who's done competition stuff. Because when music and when music stops when you're doing a dance competition, it is so stressful. It is so stressful mm. because I've had that happen before and I've seen it happen to people and it's just, yeah, it's, it's not a fun thing to have to deal with when you're mid-routine and it's like, oh, there's no music. Is, is it common practice when that happens for someone to just start going? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, no. Usually what happens when music stops at a dance comp is that the dancer does one of two things. They, if, if they're, you know, well-trained and they don't, they don't freak out, they just continue the routine right. and they just continue and continue and they finish it off and then they go. And usually it's something wrong with the CD or whatever or tape back in the day. Um, and so they'll get a chance to do it again at the end of the section, but with the music all the way through. Hmm. Um, the other option is that they lose it and storm off crying which i have seen happen a few times as well but yeah Mm. it's always the ones that stay on and continue on you're like good job you and they always get a big applause because that's that's hard like that's really scary to do especially Mm. if you're doing something that's very rhythmic like tap yeah but you got to try and keep that rhythm yeah it's hard without music one of the things i was curious about obviously you said you don't ballroom dance no um but the way dance competitions are judged yeah um if say i 
went and joined uh, an open jazz tap like solo competition. Let's let, let's assume that I was good at a it. Jazz well. tap, what, whatever. Like you know, let's it, just go with what the if tap you did a huh? bogo pogo? Yeah. What if I what if I suddenly bust out a bogo pogo? Oh, that's a that's a two person. It move, depends. So maybe it maybe de- just the bogo. <laughs> it depends on the competition. Yeah. So for something like so, certain competitions have certain rules. So a lot of the competitions that I do, it's like they have sections like jazz and tap and classical mm. and then like lyrical and contemporary and like national and then like whatever song and dance, mm. like lots of different things. So um, acrobatic sections, there are some that have like contortion. So, but like the, the big thing at the moment is if you've got a certain amount of acrobatic tricks, like flips and like lifts and things like that in like a regular modern jazz, like a jazz section, you can only have up to X amount of lifts in a lot of competitions because otherwise you have people just put like an entire acrobatic extravaganza on stage and it's like, yeah, but there's no jazz technique here. Mm. So they limit things like that. In okay. some competitions, so and that's—I mean, I'm—I'm I'm talking specifically about um, here in Perth. I've done competitions um, over in Sydney. I've done competitions in, I think, Melbourne, or it might have just been a summer school. I don't remember. Um, and I've also seen competitions up in Singapore and in Kuala Lumpur. I was up there teaching for summer schools um, and was doing the announcing, which was mm. fun. It's more what I want to know is: is yeah. is Scott technically in the wrong for wanting to do these unique steps in a? in a ballroom competition because I, I know in this film yeah he is portrayed as being in the right because barry fife is, is evil and also everyone <laughs> is weirdly conservative about keeping ballroom dancing the way that it is but yeah. but if, uh, there, if, if yeah if, if, is it actually wrong what he's doing um for the sake of the competition yes and he would be disqualified for mm. dancing the wrong steps like if you were if you're in a competition and the competition rules state you can do no more than three tricks in this particular mm style and you do more than that then you would you would get disqualified if you Mm. were in a competition where they're like if you touch the curtain you are disqualified and you touch the curtains you would be disqualified and that is a legitimate rule at competitions like as you're entering and exiting the stage if you hit the curtain and you can like visibly see it move there are some places where that was like grounds for disqualification because it's like you should be able to fit through like a meter gap yo like come on it's a bit harder when you got like 60 girls on stage but Okay. The yeah. curtain is very much the wicket of the dance competition. Yeah, because yeah. there's wings all the way up and down. Yeah, as soon as someone touches it, everyone raises one arm in the air and goes, Huzzah! <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. And we had it drilled in as it was like, don't touch the curtain. Like, it was very intense. Like, I grew up in a very old-fashioned dancing school. It's been running since the 50s. Um, the lady who started it was like 17 when she started it, which is insane and amazing. Um, but she was very old school. And so I grew up in a dancing school where it was like, they would go jump and you wouldn't ask how high you would just jump and then wait for them to correct your technique. Like it was that kind of a place. That is where I grew up. And I think people who know me are like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense about why you are the way that you are. And why you're so loud and shouty. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's, it's, I learned a lot. I it, learned a lot. And it's, it's just fascinating. Cause, um, like I'm not part of a dance school. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am tangentially because I'm married to you. So yeah. I've been going to watch shows for 10 years now. Yeah. And they're very good. Uh, but um, but I'm not in that that community proper. I'm sort of, I'm, I'm even more removed than Doug, technically. <laughs> yeah, because you're not Cause a Doug dancer Doug was at all. part of it. But, you know, um, and, and David, I presume you're not part of any sort of dance troupe. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if we couldn't, if you hadn't figured out from the intro... I I know very limited dance words. Mm. I was <laughs> my. You've had an education in this though. You've learned yes, all these new dance styles. I've learned. I made a list of all the dancers yes. in ma- mentioned in the film, yes. uh, and I learned new ones. Um, I vaguely know of 
Irish dancing yep. because uh, tangentially, my wife did that as a child. Mm-hmm. So, so I, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I know of. So, so, she, and, and considering how old she is as well, was she one of those like, oh my god, like River Dance, Lord of the Dance? Oh my god, yes, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I feel that. I feel that. that That's like I was saying when we were watching this. The nineties was such an interesting time for like uh, a theatrical style dance shows that were really big and like so this is 1992 that's around the same sort of time that tap dogs which is an australian like all-male tap dancing troupe got really big which led to things like Bootmen, the movie um and like all of the like guys tap dancing on girders on stages that were getting lifted up and like You've never heard of... Okay, you need to... I'm, no, you, yes. <laughs> For those listening at home, I am giving a... Comp- a very a confused stare. confused stare. Yeah. But there was, there was, a, there was a lot of big... Da- and especially dancing for boys in the 90s in mm. Australia. It was a big thing. And I think this film was a big part of that. That big push of like, you know... Yeah. It's okay and to be a boy and dance. Like, you can be masculine and yeah. still and that, do this. Like, it doesn't matter. That message gets reinforced uh, almost a decade later with, with Billy Elliot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is this is this is very and I mean, Billy Elliot is set earlier than this is, obviously, mm. but it's but that it, same kind of idea. Boys can dance. But the they great, can. I mean, the thing about this film is at no point is the concept of boys dancing even a question. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, no, it's ballroom dancing. You've got to have Yeah. all these all, you know, and this uh, for, for these men in this film, mm. that how well they can dance or how much you know, they're involved in the dancing is a huge part of their identity. Like Barry Fife, even though he is the villain. Um takes tremendous pride in in the validity of the dance competition and being the president of this this company and even though he's the federation yes yes the federation um and like les clearly cares about the dance school even though he spends most of the film as an obstacle arms clary yeah (laughs) Uh, but he clearly cares about that's exactly what it's like being a dance teacher by the way point your toes Point your, point your toes. Um, and, Come on. and similarly with like you know Wayne, and I love that Wayne is shown as being like a mechanic in like one shot, and he's like, oh Scott was meant to teach us the bogo pogo, talking to somebody else, uh, and it's just like at no point is anyone like, why are these men dancing? And I think it's such a, it I think it's really lovely that yeah. it, that it shows these these very different types of men who are all involved in dancing and are all really enjoying it. Ken Railings with his spa business. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ken is such a great Nathan Starkey who's got his uh, he has to t- he's, he's going to retire from dancing to do his landscaping business. Yeah. Both traditionally like kind of like masculine vibes. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Why why did we Stephen? Yeah. We I, clearly with all these this media encouraging boys to be like it's okay to dance. Why did we neither of us learn how to dance? Were I... we just to hyper-masculine growing up as children. <laughs> I, I think you can tell by our voices we were. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, I love... Uh, trucks. Uh, yes. <laughs> hey, cars that go boom, boom. Uh, yeah, the bit... Yes. I love them so much. I don't even settle for V8. I like V9, you know? Oh. Uh, I've seen most of the Fast and Furious movies. Wow. wow. Yes. Yeah, a true blue, red-blooded male person well done. Uh, yes that's uh, me uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, look, I'm lifting iron as we speak yeah, uh, like every day is, is leg day yeah. and arm day and arm day <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean the, the thing is though is like this film doesn't make me want to go out and, and dance it doesn't make me want to go and like learn how to do mm. the, the dances that are, that are done in this film but I think it's a really good sort of like uplifting story I, I think that, that the central message which they um, hammer home particularly with Fran's family the uh, 
uh, a life lived, lived in, in fear is a life, life half lived. lived. I have yeah. a mug with that on from yeah. the musical. It's, <laughs> it's um, got glitter. Yeah, it's it's because um, <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> I feel like that message of a life lived in fear is a life half lived is very well um, stated in this film. It's, I yeah, guess. it's introduced really beautifully, and then they kind of come back to it a couple of times. Yeah, they they have a really good. I don't know that it's necessarily rule of threes, but they bring things in again and again and again. There's like sort of light motifs of like themes and things and they come up very prominently through repetition mm. like there's a lot of repetition in this film just as like you, you, just to make sure that you definitely got that thing that we just said we're going to say it again now you got it cool and then mm. they move on and, and 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 what that fear is for scott and what it is for fran are two yeah. different fears for, for fran it's about just being invisible going from being this person that yeah is quite dorky and like not respected by anyone in the dance school you know she's been a beginner for two years and has only ever danced with with other women she's never had a male dance partner oh, which is that's that's me i always do the boy part when i do boy and mm. dancing um but but she confronts her fear a little earlier in the film by dancing with scott and eventually yeah. like coming out of her shell i, I guess and, and being someone that is like i, I want to dance these steps and for scott obviously it's a it's a longer process because he has to face up to this fear of this dark family history <laughs> of the fact that his dad danced wanted to dance his own steps at the 1967 championship um I, I, but i feel like they execute it really well and i think it's a really I've watched this film a couple of times and I feel like it does it really well. I am curious though, David, as the first time viewer, do you feel it works? I think it works. I was just thinking how, um, like a lot of the conflict is very much like interpersonal drama. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you said, this doesn't inspire you to, to dance, but it's not necessarily like an unrealistic goal that someone could watch this and be like, Oh, I'll get into ballroom dancing and I'll do with some amateur competitions. Like, as opposed to like I Tonya, <laughs> where you're like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know if I, like and it, oh the drama like it's it's it, the the story isn't about him being like I've got to be the best. It's like I mean if they remade I, this today, Margot Robbie would be Liz. Like let's be real, <laughs> let's be real. She would. Yeah, like it's sure he'd like to win. Mm. But I mean, partway through the film, he's like, I know I'm not going to win. I just want to do this thing. And the issue that I need to resolve is people telling me, no, Scott, mm. don't dance your own steps. Yeah. It's like, but I like it. Um, it he's going to learn how to live his own life. Yeah. And I, I think the film does a good job of, of exemplifying that. And it does a nice little like twist on a trope. You know, like, no, dad, that's your dream. And turns out, yes, dad. Turns out we both actually like that dream. Mm. Uh, his dad's like, do it, son. Just dance. Just like have fun. Mm. It's like, why didn't I listen to you earlier? It's like, because I'm a milk toast weirdo. Yeah. Um, who I, I, at the very end, I was like, hang on a second. And I Googled it. It's not Norman Gunston. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's but, not Norman Gunston. Like, it's not Norman Gunston. Have... Like looking at him yeah. like... Ah, this no, is a clear. He, he, he's got very Norman Gunston yeah. vibes, though. I think that would have been quite deliberate, probably. But yeah, I mean, Doug is a great character in this as well. Mm. I, as we were watching it, Ellen, you were saying how much you enjoyed. I Doug. just love him. I just love him, and he's great. Like in the in the stage version, in the musical version as well, because everybody's like 
bright neon, all the things. And then you've got Doug in the corner in all his brown, just like, and they make a really big thing of the inhaler because it's, it's, it's funny. It's just, he's always in the corner and there's like a really awkward pause. And then it's just the of him doing the inhaler. And you're like, Oh, Doug. Oh, Doug. Mm. It was just lovely. And yeah, and like, that, and that repetition of, can I just bend your ear for a tick? I'm like, that's such, that's such a, like an Australian dead thing. Like they have that little catchphrase thing that they always say. There's always like that thing. It's just lovely. Mm. What a beautifully rendered character. And yeah, played by um, Barry Otto, who is Miranda Otto's father. I thought he might have been. Yeah. When I oh. saw the name, I was like, ah. And because he's the right age in this because of when she was sort of born. Because mm. she's a little bit older than we are. She'd be yes. like 40 something now. But yeah, it's it's just a lovely film. It's very well done. I mean, we've we've spoken about Barry Fife a lot, but just a quick shout out for Bill Hunter who played him. Um I mean Bill Hunter's just, just chewing the scenery. A fantastic Australian actor who's just been in so so many great Australian films. Bill Hunter's normally in there doing something. Being um, a dickhead mostly. <laughs> just just a bit just a bit of fun, but um he's he's absolutely cracking in this. He's tremendously good fun. Um it's it's just a really lovely film. Like there's, I don't it's really know really there's much more fun. to say. I just like I feel as though it's very well paced. I feel a lot of the um, the introduction to Fran's family and then teaching him, uh, teaching Scott more about dances that he would have obviously only learnt from a very white dance school, <laughs> uh, and the, the yeah. fact they laugh at him when he tries to do his um, the pasodoble the pasodoble yeah. the first time, which does look daft on reflection when you see them <laughs> doing it, and it's very quick and stilted. And then uh, Rico, the father, is like, no, and takes off his coat. And he's already in a full dance costume. And he's like, I will teach you. Mm. Just... And he bequeaths that beautiful jacket to him, that very iconic mm. gold jacket with the lapels. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah. I think I think, I think this is also a really good film in terms of, obviously, like, this was Baz's first film. He's got a lot of, like, spinny, roundy um, shots and he's got some really interesting ones where he does the dancing. There's not a lot of like full body dance stuff. I think the dancing in this is captured a lot better and a lot clearer than in something like Moulin Rouge. But that's because that's just meant to be like hyperactive all yeah. the time. So it's a different kind of thing. This is a lot slower and I really enjoy the way that they capture the movement and the dancing in this. I think it's mm. really lovely. Yeah. It, it, and the transitions, there's some really nice transitions. Yeah. Use the slow motions a little bit like, eh, at times. But, but, that, but that's, that's a just... Baz Luhrmann thing. He likes yeah. slow motion. And yeah. if this is his first film, you know, it, it's obviously not going to be as clean as in later films. Yeah. Because it doesn't seem like he's actually shooting at like 50, 60 frames per second. Just more of like, we're going to play this slower. Yeah. <laughs> motion blur. I'm like, yeah. But also, okay. you know, like, this was not a big budget film. <laughs> no, not and at all. So, I mean, they could only afford three songs. Yeah. True. They got their money's worth out of them, though. I tell you what. Time after time. Yeah. At after least three time, times. After time. Three times. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yep. But I sort of liked that time after time kept coming back at the start of their relationship, at the start of Scott and Fran sort of coming together, and that it was used again and again. Because then when the song changed, and when we got, like, perhaps, perhaps, that felt like a real change in the relationship as yeah. well. I, I felt like the music being used in those blocks to be like, this is where they are in this relationship. Mm. And that it was that same song again and again. It was maybe a little heavy handed, but also I think it, but also that's, it, it does that's, a good job. I that, think. Yeah. But also that's yeah. how you learn dances. If you're learning a dance, you do it to the same song. You do it again and again mm. and again and again and again. And you get sick of the song. Like mm. that's kind of what it's like. I was like, I relate to that. I've been there. I've got songs mm. that I can't listen to anymore. Cause I danced to them and listened to them too many times. Yeah. There you like, go. David. You know, it's a dance thing. myself to them. Yeah. Oh, 
this is why I'm on this one. Because <laughs> uh, I have the background. It makes so much sense. Uh, you, you naturally thought of Ellen's polar opposite, me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Who hasn't seen this film and cannot move their body in any way? Who it's... has, like, early onset arthritis? Like... <laughs> yeah. Yes, no. Well, thank you so much, David, for, for throwing yourself in on this one. Um, mm. Very brave of you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, yes. Would you guys like some trivia about Strictly Ballroom? I'd love some yes. trivia. Okay, all of this trivia comes from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. Fran's house was a set built on an existing railway station. In the most expensive shot in the entire film, a train was hired to pass by the house twice. Um, so all those shots, those trains going past, um, yeah, they had to like pay trains, pay for things. trains to, to go past and get the shot at just the right That's time. That's very extra. They didn't have, That's very badass. They, they couldn't have just waited for a, <laughs> like a train schedule. I, I assume that those are not public transport trains then. Um, well, the trains that went past weren't public transport trains. They were like Freight cargo trains, freighter yeah. trains. Yeah, okay. So I guess maybe you, you want to be able to control the shot. You don't want to be like... Oh, the train's two minutes late and we're all set up for this shot. Like, as a film crew, I, I could see having control of the train would be much more desirable than just waiting for any old train to come past. Um, once a real food inspector came onto the set and demanded paperwork because he thought that the shop out the front was real as well. <laughs> and, and it did look pretty authentic. Mm. But yeah, a food inspector's just walking past going... That shop looks dirty. I'm going to do my job. <laughs> so. That's very funny. The first scene filmed for Strictly Ballroom was the finale, the big dance competition. Makes sense. It was filmed at a real dance competition yep. during the dance competition's one hour lunch break. Wow. So all those extras were just people who were just there for the yeah. thing. And they were like, righto. So they did all of that in an hour. Yeah. And then just spliced in the rest of the stuff in the background, yeah, I guess. The, just the big dance finale. So everyone getting on the floor and doing that. That bit was shot in an hour. Honestly. That's. Like, yeah. That's a lot. To that's do. a lot. <laughs> and that, that's yeah, very that's, impressive. Yeah. To be fair, though, at a dance competition, though, to be like, all right, so a bunch of you who are in the audience are probably done dancing or stuff. So, like, we just want you to come at this particular time and do things. I was also very impressed with their ability to clap in time because... The amount of times I've been in audience, they'd be like, clap along. And it's just like, it's yeah, like, no, it's... no, you have no rhythm. Yeah. Go away. No. Yeah. It, w- it was a lot to, d- to demand of an audience, but these they guys. They did really well. These guys had rhythm. Yeah. These guys clearly And know. honestly, that ending is beautiful. Like that idea of, you know what? Dancing's for everybody. Everybody come down and dance. I'm like, oh, hmm. like that always make, that always gives me warm fuzzies. And they and did that really well in the musical I was going to well. say, because we, 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 we've, have you said before you've seen the stage show I got to yeah. see it with you in, in, Brisbane. in, Qu- in Brisbane and at the yeah. end yeah at the end they invite members of the audience to like come up on stage and we got up and had a dance <laughs> so the thing Aww. is is that the first time I saw it so um, they had the seats were all covered in like sparkly seat covers in like different colours because they do like audience participation bits and then so the first time I saw it I was like in the middle of a row and so at the end all the dancers come down and they start pulling people out of the audience and pulling them up on stage. But I was in the middle of a row, so I was like stuck. And I was like, I can't get up on this stage. And I was so mad about it. So the second time I saw it, I'm like, right, I'm getting an aisle seat. And I was like, I didn't even wait for anybody to come and get me. I was like, I'm going up there. And I grabbed, I think it was with Sarah. Mm. And I like grabbed her and Sarah doesn't dance. Sarah doesn't dance at all. And mm. I've choreographed her before for things. She's hypermobile. She's 
she's so difficult to make dance because her body just doesn't do anything. Mm. And I was like, right, I dragged her up on stage with me. And they do the encore of Love is in the Air with a whole bunch of just random audience members up there mm. with them, which Aww. is delightful. Yeah. And then in Brisbane, I did the same thing. I dragged you and I dragged a friend of mine who we went with as well. Yeah. I like was climbing over the chairs like, I'm going. And everybody's <laughs> yeah. like, you're right. I'm like, I'm not missing out on my chance to go up and dance. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. And it was really lovely. Like, yeah. like a, it's like a theatrical experience. It it fits obviously because it's from the film, but it was kind of like, I mean, I'm I'm not someone that will get up and dance at the drop of a hat unless um, I drag you somewhere. Unless you <laughs> unless you drag me, but but it was fun. It was nice to do. It was yeah. It was a really lovely experience. They did um, that twice as well because to open up the second act, um, they had they they grabbed two people up on stage and they actually put them in costumes, and and made them dance as well like that was the opening of the second act of the musical so there's a couple of times where they break mm. the fourth wall in a, like a pretty substantial way oh. which is yeah not entirely unusual for a musical but a, like unusual enough and in the sydney run the other thing that they did which i was like oh amazing is they had all of the walls were all covered in like like at the end they have all of the advertising for all the different places they had like you know Ken Railing Sparorama. Like they had all of these advertisements all plastered up around inside the theater. And they had a guy on stage who was doing like the preamble sort of before the competition that's at the opening of the film. So he's like, you know, so-and-so has left their lights on in the car park and blah, blah, blah. And like doing advertisements for all of these businesses. So it was like you were coming into a dance competition space at the very beginning of it which I just loved. I loved every aspect of the way that they kind of framed that show. I think they did a really beautiful adaptation of it mm. to a musical. I'm going to shut up now because I'll just talk about it all day. Otherwise, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Paul Mercurio, who played the uh, lead, played Scott, mm. uh, danced the final sequence with a sprained ankle. Oh. So, yeah, he did all that and he was in pain. And yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Now, Paul Mercurio, Ellen, yeah. we should point out... Um, is technically, in a very loose sense, a classmate of yours? <laughs> okay, not really, because <laughs> I started at my dancing school in 1992, mm. and he was there somewhat before that. But yes, there is a Perth connection. Sorry, in the late 60s, his parents split up because he was living in Victoria, I think, originally. Um, I did look this up because I was like, I have to double check this. But his parents split up, and his mum, I think, moved to Perth. And so he moved over to Perth. Um, and when he was nine, he was like, right, I want to do some dancing because he was watching some Elvis Presley videos and he was like, yes, I want to do that. And so his mum enrolled him for dance classes and it was at the dance school that I ended up going to. Oh, so he nice. was there for a couple of years and then he was like, I don't really like all the exams and stuff. And so he moved on and did like um, acting classes and some other dancing stuff. He went to John Curtin, like he went to the local performing arts school here mm. and then ended up moving back to sydney and doing a bunch of stuff like he was like 27 at this stage i think mm. when he did the film he was in his like late 20s but yeah he, he danced for like 10 plus years at all these various professional companies in like sydney and danced all over the place but mm. yeah oh, so there's nice. a nice little bonus connection for you i've done tutoring at at john Curtin at john college Curtin? of the arts uh-huh. yeah. did you the teach dance uh no i taught media um, okay. that, that's that's probably some, a better, yeah. better decision. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I remember, like, you know, I'm in this classroom. I'm like teaching these kids media and being like assigning them roles, like you know, you're this department, etc. And then in like the corner of the media room is like a, a framed certificate, or, like a trophy or something, for a short film competition that I remember losing to John Curtin 
student <laughs> when I was 17. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> this is my villain origin story. <laughs> so you grabbed it off the wall and took it home with you. Yeah. It's a junker. And if, that, if you're wondering where that went, we've got your man. Uh, Paul Mercurio, as you said, was a dancer, but yeah. his um, specialization was, was ballet, not yeah. ballroom. Yeah. Um, so after he landed this role, he did a six week intensive boot camp to learn all the choreography. Ballet, that yeah. is a. That's a dance term that I didn't cite earlier. Yeah, but, like, but they don't talk what? about ballet in this film. They Although, don't. No, they don't. You can tell by the way he moves that he has got Well, that's the thing. Background. Yeah, he, 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 studied, he studied ballet. He did jazz. He did type. He did like vaudeville type stuff. Um, and then he was dancing with, with like ballet companies and doing, I guess, like uh, what we call contemporary now. Mm. Lots of those kinds of things. But yeah, he was doing yeah. lots of those. And he was doing a lot of choreography as well, which mm. kind of, you know, makes sense for, for this kind mm. of a thing. But yeah, you can, you, can, you can see the ballet training, like just in the physique like mm. the physique and the musculature, like he's very compact. I mean, ballroom dancers quite often are quite compact as well because it's not about being, you need to be able to, you know, lift your partner, but normally they're teensy weensy anyway. Mm. But yeah, he's very, yeah. He's got, a, he's got a proper dancer build. Yeah. Speaking uh, of all the different types of dancers, would anyone like a list of all the dancers mentioned in yes, this please. film? Yes, please. All the dancers mentioned in this all film. All the type of dancers mentioned in this film. Because right. I was taking a list because I was like, Oh, I don't know anything. I'll just I'll learn. <laughs> learn, I'll, learn I'll turn this along. into a learning opportunity. Yes. So there is the waltz, yeah. the samba, tango, something called a bogo pogo that I... That's a move, I think, not a Yes. This is pro- I don't think that's a dance. I Googled it and all, all the page the one results were, were all... strictly ballroom. <laughs> I'm like, okay, uh, there's no simple Wikipedia lead that'll teach me what this is. And <laughs> I'm not going to read more than a paragraph. There's the rumba. Uh, I've written down as a separate category the fruity rumba because that is announced at one point. Mm. <laughs> Paso doble. Yes. Cha cha. Yep. Jive. And uh, we're going to count the final everyone dancing at the very end as a flash mob, mm. as totally a subgenre. Wink, mm. wink. That's That counts. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And tango. Did you have tango? Yeah. I, you I did have tango, I, didn't I, you? I swear it. Yes, Tango was number three. Yes, yeah. that would make sense because it was quite early. Yeah. No, it covers a lot of ground, this film. So This has been Dance Words with David. <laughs> I know... It's a new segment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tara Maurice, who plays uh, Fran right. in this film, uh, sings the female lyrics in the cover version of Time After Time that plays in this film. Nice. So that's her voice that we heard repeatedly. So, sh- So they saved money on, like original performer rights then i guess probably yeah because it would have been a cover i mean wow yeah i mean she does she's got a good voice yes yeah so yeah it was it was good but yes uh, no that was that was fran singing which i think is a really cool touch mm. um pat thompson who played scott's mother uh, died before the film's premiere and um, this was the last thing that she did and because uh, she, she she died of an aneurysm uh, in April of 92 and then this film came out later in the year um, but yeah this was her, her last film role what a way to go out though what an amazing character yeah yeah but it was like because she, she wasn't particularly old she was only I think 52 mm. like she wasn't old by any means no. um, but yeah I was I, I, I did not realise that until doing the research for this film and I went oh that's really sad and I was like I guess that's why I haven't seen this this actor in more things because she this was the last thing that she did. Mm. But um, yeah, very very accomplished uh, stage performer. Did definitely. Yeah, I seem to remember she did some Shakespearean 
stage stuff with I think Jeffrey Rush in the 70s and 80s and things Makes like sense. that. So yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, no, this was the last thing she did, which is uh, a shame. But mm. also, as you say, what a what a, what a great performance. Mm. Uh, Baz Luhrmann participated in the types of ballroom dancing competitions shown in the movie. Yep. Uh, the movie began life as an improvised play featuring Baz, yep. uh, which was later <laughs> performed at the Sydney Theatre Company. Yep. Uh, Baz also makes a cameo in this film as one of the ballroom dancers uh, that Scott pushes past. So you don't, I don't think you really see his face, but he's there. He Peter Jackson that shit before it was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. The most. Expensive- I'm sorry. Okay. Improvised play. Yeah. This seems like a lot of story to improv. Wait, how does that? Hello, it's me, the not so artsy member of this troupe. Mm-hmm. A bit artsy, different art. Improvised play. Yeah. Please explain to anyone. Well, you know how plays normally have words. And a yes. Uh, well, if you don't have them, but you still do the play, you have to make it up at the time. So it's improvised. He did it when he was at school at NIDA. Mm. I'm pretty sure. He yeah. just walks on a stage and is like, uh, "Yeah, it would have been him." And I like need a, a profession: ballroom dancing. Well, I, I no, don't no. know. If, I don't know if it was as loose <laughs> as that. It might be a case where there are certain story beats which are set up, but then some of the dialogue. But the way stuff. you get from A to B is improvised. But you always have A and you always have B. Mm. Okay, so that might, yeah makes more sense in my head. Yeah, like he's just like, I'm gonna really workshop this like ultra fast mm. this series mm. I, would, I would imagine that it was like a class exercise that it has to be like all right cool so like you have to do like a play but like improvise it just and just sort of see what happens because he was at night i don't know if he was studying acting if it, what, what he was studying um but yeah it was like this this improvised thing that they just kind of put together mm. and he was like this is great and he's like i'm going to I'm going to keep working at this. And he did. And then, yeah, like you said, they did it at Sydney Theatre Company and then they obviously turn it into the film and then they turn it, now he's turned it into a musical because he's like, we can do this now. Mm. Remember, kids, improv can lead to careers. Oh, I, I know. Mean, so. <laughs> I mean, preaching to the choir here with Stephen, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't let your parents tell you that it won't That's get true. you anywhere. Yeah, the amount of times I've come home and, you know, my mum's been like, what were you doing out there? And I was going, I just want to do my own improvised steps, mum. I don't want to learn a script. I'm just going <laughs> to I'm going <laughs> to make up my own play. <laughs> but you are like that with dancing because when we were trying to learn dancing for the wedding, we had that big argument because you were like I think all dancing should be like spontaneous and should just happen and I was like that's a great idea in theory, but in practice, <laughs> if I don't have this uh, wedding dance at least partially choreographed, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. So you're freaking out about I don't want choreography. I'm freaking out about it. I need some at least. And mm. we kind of met in the middle and it turned out really well. And then he got a lot of compliments from like people from my dancing school who were like, he did a good job. He moves quite well, doesn't he? And I was like, thank you. Yes, he did a very good job. I was very proud of him because mm. that, that's, that stuff's scary to do. If you, if you like, I've been doing it since I was three. So for me, I'm like, you want to put me on stage and make me dance? I can make something up. Let's go. Mm. But yeah, I understand for like normal people who haven't like done that. They're like, this is the most terrifying thing that you could ever ask me to do i'm like oh yeah i guess it would be scary (laughs) if you didn't have that background (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i don't really i don't i don't i don't completely understand it yeah yeah (laughs) some people get nervous on stages yeah no no one in this room can (laughs) well no it depends on the thing so for example i'm not terribly comfortable with dancing that's because i don't have a particular training in it i like dancing when i'm like in the right mood and i'm like i'm Mm. gonna move in this particular way over here now Mm. but for me if you were like go up there and do a cha-cha i'd be like how about no i I would not be be comfortable doing you just need to remember you accent two and four Mm. yes i will i will have to (laughs) what is a cha-cha one 
two, three, and four. Mm. I know about the Charleston. And and, sim- <laughs> and similarly, if I said to, if someone came up to Ellen and was like, hey, Ellen, we need you to do a, a, a 20 minute improvised piece. Uh, and the only prompt is the word Pomeranian. Um, <laughs> then, I mean, I could probably do something, but I wouldn't be very happy about it. Yeah. It's so, not really yeah. my, my, my area. That's mm. fair. We all have our, our stage strengths mm. and if we asked you to do either of those things i would be, like, be I would i'm be, out <laughs> i'd be terrible at improv and dance but i mm. can do uh slam poetry mm. or educate you at any length required about australian politics yeah, it's true uh, i uh, my job is to talk for an hour about australian politics specifically just state WA State Parliament mm. and how it functions and I keep having to find ways to like cut out content to make it more streamlined because <laughs> I'm like I there is just so much <laughs> to mm. say uh, oh wow mm. <laughs> so we all have our strengths we sure do the stage I'm, trinity the stage trinity <laughs> I'm never ever going to forget a cha-cha rhythm ever in my entire life because um, at a certain level of um, tap dancing examinations and the syllabus that I did growing up, you have to do Latin. So like tap dancing, but in Latin rhythms. And uh, they normally do a ch- And they normally do like, quite often they'll do a cha-cha. Um, and when I did my exams, I, my dance teacher was like, you're doing a cha-cha. And my dance teacher was like, you have to accent every two and four beat because that's what a cha-cha is. And it didn't matter if it was like a quiet beat because like some steps in tap are quite loud like if you're stomping your whole foot on the floor it makes a loud noise right but if you're just doing like a little step on your toes it doesn't make as much noise didn't matter those needed to be as loud if they were on a two and a four beat and every time I didn't accent them loud enough she would restart the music and I would have to start again so I will never forget a cha-cha rhythm ever (laughs) it's been like implanted into the back of my brain Some final trivia points. Uh, the most expensive costume was the jacket worn by yeah. Scott during the grand finale. It <gasps> took over six weeks to make, so more time than it took him to learn how to do the dances. Um, some of the ornaments and uh, the flamenco shoes were imported from Spain. Mm. So, yeah, some expensive stuff there. Catherine Martin did the costumes for this, didn't she? I believe so, yes. Yeah. And the final bit of trivia, uh, Antonio Vargas, who plays Rico, Fran's father in this, uh, wore all his own clothing throughout the shoot. That's so, so beautiful. So the, the lovely spotty shirt and the, the waistcoat and the, the boots that he wears, all, all that stuff is just his he did, stuff. He just turned up and he was like, I wear this. And they were like, okay, hmm. no worries, man. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Um. I really like Fran's family as well. We we, we only get little bits They're of well, them, but they, they she's are great. they are really lovely. And the grandmother, like yeah. bringing the dress along, like I brought it just in case, was was nice and things like that. Um, so it's time for us to score the film. And David, it was your yes. first time watching Strictly Ballroom, so you get to go first. Oh goody! What score? <laughs> what score would you give Strictly Ballroom out of ten? And if you can hold it up on a big piece of paper over your head, uh, a Lara dance competition, that would be much appreciated. Yes. Uh, hang on a second. Let me just let me just get my 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 big piece of paper. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. I'm writing. I'm writing it down. Oh yep. <laughs> Next job, Foley artist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, out of ten. Oh, give it a nice eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Uh, Bogo Pogos. <laughs> Doctor Allen. Yeah. Uh, what would you give? Strictly ballroom out of 10. 
I'm going to give it nine sequin Coca-Cola signs out mm. of ten. That, that Coca-Cola sign is maybe the nicest piece of product placement in, in a film. It, it also doesn't really feel like product placement in that sense. It feels yeah, more, it's like, oh, this is just here. Well, it, it also just feels very much like it's... I mean, okay, it is a product placement thing yeah. because there is a, a business attached to it, but it also feels as though it was chosen for the colour. It really feels like yeah. it's chosen for the colour. It's and like, for oh, some, this is convenient. And, this is beautiful. It has sequins on it. And for something yes. that would naturally be in the environment in terms yeah. of, like, you would have a big soft drink sign there and the fact mm. that they went for one that was red and white contrasted nicely with the rest of the set. Mm. Yeah, it is very It ties striking. into the red costume. It ties into, like, lots of other little yeah. like, colour pop moments in it. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I really love this film. I, 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 I Yeah, I, I really just enjoy it immensely every every time i see it and mm. um it's lovely i love the kids that are kind of like the little girl that's almost like the voice of the narrator a little bit or the, where she's just making comments that are purely about like how the narrative is going oh i that didn't was see unexpected. that happening. yeah <laughs> that's his little sister yeah it's yeah. um yeah it's it's really it, it's just full of nice little elements like that and the 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 performance is wonderful costumes are just fantastic mm. like they're so the feathers and the sparkles yeah. and those gravity defying fringes with rhinestones glued onto them yeah over the top and oh. just amazing it's it's just a really it's just a really fun film i'm gonna give it nine excellently executed knee slides out of ten. Oh, that bit is so good yeah so that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, Ellen and David, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Thanks. Oh, you're bloody welcome, mate. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Thanks for putting me on this one. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. It's a brand new year, which means brand new films. And by brand new, I mean, ooh, so old sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, the... They're not that old. They're just as old as me. Yes, in this case, uh, but uh, yeah, obviously we're, we're continuing our mission to to watch films that people haven't seen and give them a safe and comfortable environment in which to watch those films. I presume you felt both safe and comfortable, David. Watching yes. This one. Thank you for not pointing and jeering at me and being like, "Ha ha, he doesn't know what a cha cha is." Yeah. When you started doing your pasta doble, we didn't start laughing at you like that family did. So <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very welcoming. Uh, so yeah, we're looking forward to to doing that in 2022, and there's a number of ways that you can join us on that journey. Uh, we have a Patreon. Uh, if you want to join up to that Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, you can get all sorts of bonus goodies and extras. Uh, just search for us at patreon.com forward slash podcast. We're also available to be contacted on Facebook. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club in Facebook. You can follow us and get news and updates there. And of course we can be subscribed to on any podcast provider, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. Uh, just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club in your provider of choice. But that is all for this week. So until next time, goodbye.
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.